We are the Pod Squadron, everybody. Um, we're a new show by Starcast. We're coming to talk to you about the full scope of the Star Wars experience. We've got TV shows to cover, oh, animation, yeah, movies, yep. games, cosplay, community events, the whole gamut. Basically, we're in here to talk Star Wars with you. And everybody is starting a podcast, and there's some whack ones out there, but we want to start a good one for Star Wars, so that's why we're here. And first off, I really want to say happy Halloween to everybody. This is our premiere episode. I don't know how it ended up happening on Halloween, but there it goes. <laughs> oh, wait, I do know The Mandalorian. That's right. So we're going to be getting into a lot of that as we, we go on. Um, we're going to be doing some reviews, some recaps. And let me give you a quick rundown of what you're going to experience today before we get into our proper introductions. Uh, we're just going to go over some news, uh, let you know about some Halloween shenanigans, because that's always a thing with Star Wars. Uh, we want to talk about the Star Wars community, getting into a little bit of healing, a little bit of connecting with each other again. And we're going to talk about The Mandalorian Season 2. We're not going to do you know, your normal Easter egg thing, but we have a little bit of a response and a review that we want to share with you. Really think you're going to enjoy that, and we hope you'll stay around for it. Now, let's get into some proper introductions. We have our three different members here of the Pod Squadron team. First of all, let's start with Andy Lowe. Hi there, my name is Andy Lowe. I'm a actually theater director, producer, uh, puppeteer, performer, fight choreographer, random random things. Uh, but uh, I have been a fan of Star Wars since I was five. I remember in uh, 1980 when we got our first Betamax, uh, uh, Betamax, uh, uh, you know, tape player. Uh, that was one of like the three movies that we had on repeat because that was all we had. Uh, we had. Mary Poppins, like Dumbo, and Star Wars. And those movies were in repeat constantly. And uh, that kind of sparked kind of my lifelong uh, relationship with Star Wars and how it has uh, uh, inspired uh, so much storytelling and so much creativity throughout my life. And, yeah, that's me. All right. I hear the production staff back there. I don't know what you guys are talking about, but uh, let me know if you want to say something. <laughs> and Tracy, go ahead. It's the first episode. You know, this is when you work out all the technical glitches, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, my name is Tracy Deering, also known as Hot Nerd Girl. I am a writer and sometimes blogger, uh, social media person, occasional cosplay artist, mostly for charity stuff pre-COVID. <laughs> <laughs> everything's pre-COVID, right? Pre and post-COVID. It's, it's, it's going to be like the Battle of Yavin. It's going to be like before COVID and after COVID. Uh, but yeah, so I have been a sci-fi fan since uh, since I was born. It was uh, my Both my parents are sci-fi fans and grew up in the Bay Area. So we used to hunt for Ewoks and not hunt for them. We used to search for Ewoks <laughs> in Mere Woods. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, they would hunt for me, so... <laughs> Well, they are cannibals, after all. So. <laughs> exactly. Uh, wait, are they? I didn't know that. Well, the well not, they don't eat them each other, but they oh. eat people. Okay, I mean, okay. I mean, we have a bunch of, they're playing drums on a bunch of empty uh, Stormtrooper helmets. Where do okay. the Stormtroopers go? Small, ravenous beast, you know. <laughs> I, I, I get it. All right, and um, thank you, Tracy. Uh, and I myself, I am Mr. Benja. I am an... Uh, ex-video game developer. I used to program and design. Uh, right now, I run the 8-Bit Cubist, and 
I've always been a fan of Star Wars, and I don't know if I have any like special nerd cred, but I caught myself at a Andy. You might remember this. I caught myself at a Star Wars burlesque show that um, that was being put on by a friend of ours down in San Diego, um, Aubrey Miller, uh, Soul Media Marketing, great lady. Yeah, so she put me on to you know Star Wars burlesque, and we ended up having a great time. And uh, everybody was like, "Yeah, yeah, well, what'd you do this weekend?" I went to a Star Wars burlesque show. It was great, and I got looks like what? And that's when I realized. I had a certain connection to Star Wars that other people just didn't have. So um, that's my my cred, I guess. I'll find one of those pictures and send it out later. Um, but yeah, so that's us. Um, it's Halloween, and uh, I want to appreciate everybody's costume. I'm here as Darth Benja. It's my uh, special little cloak here. Hope you guys like it. I won't, I won't do any mind tricks on anybody out in the audience. but I do want to go. <laughs> Tracy, I got to I got to point out your uh, your background and your your little Wookiee outfit there. Tell us about it. I did. I I, I went and got fancy and got a shower curtain for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I built a. I got into woodworking during COVID, so I built a twenty minute quick and dirty uh, toy shop displaying credenza for behind me out of uh, some leftover plywood and a couple of fence boards that I had that I just cut in half. And then, yeah, today I decided uh, I could have dressed as Princess Leia or steampunk uh, Sabe Sprocket or something, but I decided instead to be uh, a, a Wookiee for you guys. So I got my my fur and I, I even have the feet, which you can't see. Oh. <laughs> Good job not kicking over your uh, camera there. It was close. It was it was really close. Let me tell you. <laughs> and, but I'm good. And you're representing the scoundrels over there, Andy, and uh, that's yeah, a nice shirt you got too. I got my my uh, my scoundrel vest, as it were. Yes, there with many pockets for slicing, I guess. And uh, <laughs> you know, my hydro spanner goes in here into this pocket there. Uh, and I've also, of course, I'm rocking the child. I don't know if you can see, yeah, the shirt there. He's waving. He's doing the the, the magic hand thingy there for y'all. <laughs> magic hand thing, Andy. <laughs> all right, very cool. So I'm glad to see we're all in the good spirit here. Um, first up, uh, we're going to start doing these little segments. We're not sure how everything is going to work out. As we said, this is the first episode, but there's a lot of news on the docket. And Andy, you are the man with all the, the encyclopedic knowledge here. I'm going to go ahead and say <laughs> that. So I'm going to let you run with the news right quick. Let's see what we got. Well, this is the thing, right? We've got a lot of news. This is kind of a, a golden era for nerds. We have blockbusters and TV shows and comics and books coming out, particularly in the Star Wars galaxy. So a uh, number of things that are coming out. Uh, first of all, our first uh, headline of the day, Mandalorian Season 3 is already set to begin filming. Uh, in an interview with John Favreau, uh, he said that uh, they are slated to resume production for Season 3 before the end of the year. Uh, he noted that the innovative production technique uh, they pioneered for The Mandalorian, using all of their wall-sized video screens, and also, of course, noting that many of the cast members are masked, because this is the way. Uh, so it makes uh, for a very safe uh, filming environment in times of COVID-19. So what that means is that they are on track to continue to be consistent in offering up season three next fall, this time next year. 
Yeah, good. So, I mean, it's funny. Um, we haven't even really gotten into season two, and people are already speculating what season three is going to be about. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> There's a lot of excitement, and we'll get into that more of that later on. Uh, our next headline, uh, Warwick Davis, who some of you might remember, who uh, who performed as the, the Ewok uh, Wicket, in Return of the Jedi is set to return in his the starring role of a new series based on Willow. If you remember back in uh, the 1980s, I believe in 1987, uh, director Ron Howard developed uh, a, a fantasy film with George Lucas called Willow with Warwick Davis as a aspiring uh, wizard. And uh, he they are set to come back to that world and that universe on Disney Plus uh, with Warwick returning in that role. It is developed by director John M. Chu, who uh, also is known for Crazy Rich Asians and In the Heights, and uh, written by uh, son of Lawrence Kasdan, Jonathan Kasdan, and working with uh, Wendy Wendy Miracle from CW's Arrow. I'm so excited about this one. <laughs> I love Warwick Davis. I'm just, you know, I'm just happy to see him wherever he is. He's been in basically every Star Wars movie since uh, uh, Return of the Jedi, right? Uh, in various cameos and various roles. And um, he loves Star Wars. He, he hosts all of the Star Wars celebration shows. Um, so the fact that he's getting, uh, you know, a much-deserved spotlight um, as the title character of a new Disney Plus series, I am so grateful for that. At what point does he show up in The Mandalorian, by the way? Because it's got to happen at some point, right? That's a good question. Uh, well, well, we'll see. Maybe maybe, uh, maybe he'll show up later this season. We'll see. I'm going to keep yeah. keeping an eye out. So well, one interesting point that I, uh, that I had on that one is that he's it, it, it's still under Lucasfilm, you know, uh, Willow. So a lot of people weren't, weren't aware of that. But, yeah, um, the whole Willow franchise is under Lucasfilm, which means – Lucas is still pushing their other properties and hopefully, you know, we won't see them just become a Star Wars unit. And maybe, you know, maybe they should, depending on how their corporate structure is made, but um, having different properties always seemed to be a thing that worked well for Lucas. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how they split up their, uh, you know, next level of effort, how they work with Disney plus and, you know, is there a whole Lucasfilm category or a fantasy category? It starts to get interesting. So, this is all connected to Star Wars in, in, in that respect. So we want to see what these other properties are going to be doing. Got any and, more for us, uh, Andy? Well, uh, just bouncing off of that then, that also leaves the door open for another Lucasfilm obscure property, Howard the Duck. Anyways, moving on. Um, we have a bunch of other stories that we're going to get into next week uh, because there's a lot of uh, releases this month here in November. We have uh, new books, uh, the new Certain Point of View book that's coming out November 10th. Uh, a new uh, Star Wars holiday special from Lego uh, will be on Disney Plus on November 17th. There's also uh, the new VR experience from Oculus Studios on the Quest platform called Star Wars Beyond Galaxy's Edge. This is expansion material to the theme parks uh, at Disneyland and Walt Disney World. That's coming up on November 19th. And, uh, of course, there's also a lot of uh, uh, releases about characters for the upcoming uh, launch of Star Wars High Republic in January of next year. So we'll dive deeper into those next week on the show. 
So that's this week's news. If you have other stories, scoops, and rumors you'd like to re- uh, respond to, leave them for us in the chat or on any of our social media pages at the Pod Squadron. Um, for now, though, uh, because today is Halloween, I wanted to do a little bit of deep dive. Andy, Andy, Andy one second. We got to yeah. get you one of those. We got to get you one of those little news desks where you have like the pencil and the paper. So, and that's <laughs> the news with the, Andy, news. the Chinese pirate. You know, right, right. <laughs> It'll be great. Trust me. <laughs> I'm down. Okay. News of the galaxy coming to you live. Um, so uh, one of the things we wanted to do today for uh, for Halloween is get into uh, some of the the monsters and aliens of the Star Wars universe. Uh, so the, there's a lot of fun stuff in there, where you know, particularly around that first episode, episode four, and the cantina scene, where uh, where basically you had all of these aliens that they had to get to populate that cantina with, with only ten weeks of production uh, and a really low budget. So, you know, you have random things showing up in that can- cantina, like they recycled some 1960s-era British Royal Air Force flight suits. Um, there was also uh, a giant human flyhead uh, just, you know, literally grabbing stuff out of the, like, out of the prop, uh, prop uh, cabinets to populate up aliens. And as a result, you have some aliens that are pretty much clearly traditional uh, uh, monsters, which are pretty fun to see. Uh, but what's even funner to see is that as Star Wars has evolved and these characters have been canonized or new stories have been developed around them. So I just wanted to jump into some of those uh, characters. Um, I think we've got a little bit of a slideshow of some of those characters. Can we bring those up now? All right. Uh, so we're starting with... Um, all right, so this is actually uh, the character known as the Crime Lord uh, Visago. He is a character from the animated series Rebels, uh, based uh, on the planet Lothal. He is of a race called the Deveronians. And the Deveronians are uh, kind of a devil-looking uh, alien race. Um, if we can go to the next card. Uh so the, so the original Deveronians was a horned red devil character that we saw in Mos Eisley Cantina. Um, that went on to kind of inspire a whole bunch of lore uh, about these characters, their planet Deveron, um, you know, kind of their culture. It's all kind of populated. And, of course, what we're seeing a photo of right here is uh, Clancy Brown, who played a Deveronian in Season 1, Episode 6 of The Mandalorian. So that this uh, this all kind of continues. I like that. <laughs> all right, this is an example of zombies in the Star Wars universe. So this is from uh, Clone Wars season two. There were two episodes: episode seven and eight, uh, Legacy of Terror and Beware the Brain Invaders. And uh, this was a Geonosian uh, uh, queen. Uh, who was kind of an insect race. Uh, we saw them in Attack of the Clones, and she had the power to kind of uh, send these worms into, uh, uh, you know, creatures that would control their brains. We can advance to the next slide here. Um, so uh, she would reanimate dead corpses of Geonosians uh, and send them against her enemies, uh, uh, keep them advancing. Uh, and they would also ended up infecting a couple of clones, which made for a whole 
great episode actually uh, uh, that kind of was was uh, one of the, the turning points in Ahsoka Tano's story arc as she be- uh, became more independent. Uh, keep advancing. Uh, because I believe one of the worms ended up infecting uh, a fellow Je- uh, a fellow Jedi, um, Barris. Uh, I'm forgetting her last name. Barris off uh, something or other. Uh, I, 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 gotta <laughs> say, I like this. I like this shot. It's like, hold on, can I help you? You seem to have something caught in your throat. <laughs> <laughs> like a giant worm thing. I'm choking. I'm like, yes. Yes, there she comes. She comes after her with the worm coming out of her throat. <laughs> Opportunity for Clone Wars to like delve into a little bit of horror. Next, next slide. You know, zombies are my biggest fear, and there's just no escaping them. Well, how about zombie stormtroopers? So this was uh, this is this actually this one is no longer official. So the Clone Wars episodes are still in canon, but uh, in Legends there was uh, a, a pair of novels. Um, by Joe Stryber. Uh, they were uh, basically about a year after A New Hope where they found basically a a, uh, a Star Destroyer with uh, some kind of like experimental virus that turned troopers into zombies. <laughs> is this a Disney, uh, wait, is this like an official uh, poster or book cover? This is the book cover. Uh, and I believe there was a prequel <laughs> book to this that was released as well. Uh, I believe it was. That's not Disney, man. That's not Disney. I don't know about this. Yeah, that's Disney. definitely pre-Disney. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's no longer canon. <laughs> <laughs> and moving on to the next slide. Okay, so this is the fly I was talking about before, right? So this is literally a random fly head that found in prop storage, and they're like, what do you do with that? I don't know. It looks like an alien. Put it in there. Uh, so this actually later got named as a character named Brizit. And they came up with a whole backstory for uh, this literally random extra with a fly head uh, that he comes from a whole race. He is uh, actually, they gave him a backstory in the comics that is basically, he's like a space Indiana Jones. So he's a xenoarchaeologist. He's searching for like this whole MacGuffin. They, they have like this whole thing. And he ends up uh, living in the sewers of Tatooine uh, to hide out from, uh, from his, uh, 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 pursuers but uh i love that it's like it's literally just they found a random flyhead they didn't you know and then of course the fans and the writers and the whole lucasfilm team just like yeah i want to write something about that guy <laughs> that that's that's great i love living in the sewers and living like a shitty life with flies all around it's <laughs> a shitty a life, shitty life. it would probably be pretty good to him i mean you never know and his name is yeah, I can't pronounce the, the the name of the of the race that they came in. It's like T Z I. Yeah, I'm not even. It. <laughs> uh, I think we have one more, and of course, uh, we have the werewolves that show up in the cantina. There, they are now called Shistavanin, um, but very clearly, that's basically they found a Wolfman mask, and they just like I need an alien. <laughs> Put it in there. Now, this is the funny thing, too. This became a sore spot for George Lucas because he clearly was just not happy about we just found some werewolf masks and put them in, in his space film. And they, uh, they ended up uh, going back through uh, in the special editions to add more aliens on top of that, uh, the, the wolf man. So the, now there's only one wolf man where there were like five shots of the wolf man. 
uh, in various places. So, so yeah, so these are kind of fun little, uh, little behind the scenes look and also just uh, kind of celebrating how uh, the storytelling has expanded well beyond what it could have been, what it wanted to be. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for, for, all, for all you kids out there looking to get into storytelling, remember, nothing's off limits. Uh, <laughs> ran off the shop, it's all good. Make something happen. Because you know what? They all now have action figures, too. <laughs> that's, that's excellent. <laughs> as somebody who's dressing up as a furry for the night, I kind of like the werewolf one the best. <laughs> the sh- the Shistavan. Shistavanan. Shistavanan. Oh, I got to uh, shout out the production team right quick. Uh, they're, they're keeping us on on uh, on our guard here, making sure that all the images are showing up and that we're not goofing off too much. So just a quick shout out to the. <laughs> we'll, we'll introduce them later, maybe in the comments. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, now, so if we're if we're done with that, I think that was a good little intro. Get us all feeling good. Um, and you know what? That's one of the things about this podcast. I wanted to make sure that we were all happy and coming together in a in a new way. There is a new hope for the Star Wars universe population, uh, whatever you want to call it, because we're going obviously into a new generation. Um, I think we've, we've, we've gotten over the hard part, which was the past three um, movies. And whoa, 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 that's not that's not true, Andy. I, did, I didn't say anything. <laughs> you guys got over that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, we titled this one The Killing Begins because I, I, I personally and uh, I, I assume it's the same for you, Andy, and you, Tracy, um, that after after the three films, you know, we're able to step back and say, you know what, we still all love Star Wars. It's all good, clean fun. Um, you know, I had my uh, Andy actually broke my heart when he told me his thoughts on the Last Jedi, and I thought he was wrong, and it, it put a rift in our relationship. But we're back here, and we're things. so Andy, I'm I'm sorry if I ever uh, offended you. Uh, we're we're doing good things, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, and this is still, it's been my thing since, you know, Disney Star Wars began. It's like, not every Star Wars is going to be for me, right? Uh, even even the prequels, and I know, Benjamin, you are a lover of the prequels. I have come around to the prequels. Uh, uh, but like, you know, I remember seeing Jar Jar the first time and going, oh, this was not made for me. There are going to be things here, like there's Darth Maul and there's Qui-Gon Jinn and there are things that I'm going to love, but this was not for me. Now, we are now in a realm where we have theme parks, we have comics, we have novels, we have the High Republic, we have the the, 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 the prequel series, we have original, you know, the comics are digging back into Luke, Han, and Leia. There is, there are Lego stuff. There's Star Wars for every age, every race, creed. Uh, there's something for everyone here. And uh, that's the thing that I, I, I find really fascinating about where we are right now, how much content we're getting. That is that is definitely amazing. And, uh, you know, it may have taken us going through Disney and over that hump to get there. But, you know, you brought this up to me and that makes, it's a good point. It uh, It's definitely necessary to have a company or an entity like Disney to really push things to all these different boundaries um, just by the sheer weight of their you know, um, economic force, if you want to get real about it. But uh, Tracy, I, I saw you made a little face over there when we mentioned the prequels. Is there some key <laughs> you'd like to discuss? 
<laughs> you know, I have uh, I have very mixed feelings about the prequels. Uh, I I I much like Andy. I I've come to appreciate them in a certain sense. Um, I there's I, number two. I just I have a really hard time stomaching number two. It's just too many. <laughs> too too much too much soap opera yeah I, I'm not a rom com person really and, and there's neither were they like, <laughs> yeah we, you know we, we, like, we, we all of the details on on wh why we like this and that um, off off camera okay. and off, okay. off camera okay. and we actually did a top ten list that's so that's another day that's another day that's another I will. Day. I will say that for some people, the only Star Wars that is for them is Empire Strikes Back. Uh, whereas I am not that way. I think uh, I love, I, in general, I love the whole the whole franchise and I can find something positive about all of it. And I tend to be a peacemaker anyway. So chances are I'm not going to nearly lose a friendship <laughs> over a movie. <laughs> we, yeah, it's, it's happened before. So... <laughs> With, with that, um, I know that we are all b definitely being healed by one of the best things to come around in a while, a streaming show called The Mandalorian. Um, it took me by surprise. Uh, I was fighting Disney Plus for a while. I didn't want to get it. I got on it kind of late, but I got there, saw The Mandalorian, was really happy with what they did. Um, Andy, I know you uh, you were on it much earlier than I was, um, and I, I didn't believe you. I still had healing to do, and I didn't <laughs> believe you at the time. But now I see. I'm like, okay, this Andy guy knows what he's talking about. You know, still like you, Andy. Good guy. <laughs> and uh, so I'm I'm just happy with the whole thing. Mandalorian's uh, a great way to get into it. Now we're getting to season two. Um, and Andy, I know I was supposed to do this, but maybe you can give a quick overview of what happened in season one. Um, we're not going to get into any season two spoilers at the immediate moment, but we'll let you know when that comes up. But could you just give us a rundown, Andy? Sure. This is well, assuming you've seen season one, yes, by the way. we're assuming you've seen season one. <laughs> so if you haven't seen season one, this is where spoilers begin. If you haven't, uh, so we are starting with season two right now. And uh, in season two, the Mandalorian returns, now quested by the armor to reunite the child with his people, whom he believes to be a race of enemy sorcerers called Jedi. His current plan? To track down other Mandalorians across the galaxy so that they can help him, help lead him to find these Jedi. His search for, uh, for allies uh, allows him to pick up leads in, in places both familiar and unfamiliar as his preconceptions of honor, nobility, and what it means to wear that Beskar armor uh, are challenged. And that's pretty much our setup for uh, episode one. Uh, I like it. And um, oh, I think maybe did we lose audio? No, we lose may have lost audio on Benja. Very quickly, oh, though, as uh, Benja him. starts to figure out uh, his audio, uh, uh, our next plan him. was to just do I some <laughs> quick review of uh, the I can show. hear you just fine, Benja. Spoiler free. <laughs> Tracy and Mark. Actually, I don't have any sound. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So while Andy fixes this, <laughs> welcome to All Tech Lansing. That's hilarious. 
Uh, Stand by for technical difficulties. <laughs> we'll let him know. Episode. First episode. We're laughing at him. <laughs> oh, he heard that. Yes. Okay. So uh, Hello. that was our that was our rundown right there. Um, while Andy works that out, Tracy, uh, you had a we talked a little bit earlier, and you definitely had some good um, points oh, about Mandalorian season two. Andy lost his arm for a second. I know, right? Look at first first episode, everybody. This is how the sausage is made. Let's- <laughs> <laughs> I am back. Are you back? Do you hear me? The Kashyyyk sausages we, are being made in front of you. <laughs> we we were never gone. You just couldn't hear. Yeah, I love, or something. I love audio on my end. <laughs> All right, so uh, no, basically we were just uh, going to jump into, um, start jumping into what was going on with uh, the Mandalorian uh, season two, and um, we're assuming you all have seen it. There are all these uh, downs, um, you know, reviews, Easter egg, and there's a lot of that involved there. But because of the way we're structuring this show, we wanted to give you something a little different, uh, maybe a more personable take instead of a Wikipedia rundown of what happened, because uh, you can get that anywhere. So. Uh, Tracy, let's uh, hear your thoughts on some of these characters, actually, from the first episode, season two. Okay, so so first of all, if you haven't seen the episode, now's the time to cut us off. Fair warning, you've been warned. And then I'm I'm going to give you a little background here on my um, my own weirdness. I'm the person, and I don't know if this is because of doing reviews for Hot Nerd Girl or what, but I'm the person that takes a notebook into the movie theater with me and is writing notes. But I'm not looking at the notes. I'm just writing them. And so sometimes like sentences go over each other. So the way that I tend to approach things is I just sort of like uh, word vomit yeah. onto a page. And so um, so I just started writing down all these things about all the different characters. And I, you know, I, you know as I was making my notes, I was like, you know what? I, I, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this for this first episode and see how it goes. So... The first character that I would like to talk about is Cobb Vanth, uh, which if you don't recognize the name, he was the Marshal of Mos Pelgo. And he is uh, a character from the Aftermath trilogy of novels by Chuck Wendig. So if you are not familiar with those novels, he was probably a new character for you. And if you are familiar with them, then you've probably been waiting for this moment because they never explicitly say in the novels that he's got Boba Fett's armor. But it's kind of it's obvious enough that I think most people just kind of came to that conclusion. And so this story as well as his story in the books, if I'm remembering correctly, is set between Return of the Jedi and the Mandalorian. What you doing there, Andy? I don't know what Andy's doing. I'm sitting over there to engineer your setup. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, um, so, and I don't know, do you guys know the books at all, that trilogy of books? Not those. No, yeah, I, I have. So, uh, I have not read those books. No. Okay, so basically, what what is suggested is that when Jabba's sail barge explodes, it damages the sarlacc 
enough that um, that he can be killed and um, like the Jawas go in and they're able to to salvage stuff from him, which, you know, is probably where they ended up getting Boba Fett's armor. Right. But it is does look like it's a little banged up, like it's been digested a little bit, some stomach acid or something. <laughs> <laughs> and if it was injured, then that would give the crate dragon an opportunity to eat it, right? And take over its lair. Right? Right. Yeah, that's that was that was one of the, the throwaway lines that I thought that I went, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm assuming that you guys have seen the episode, so you know what I'm talking about, since we didn't do like an exact rundown of what happened. So I kind of saw the, the, the marshal coming in and, you know, like one of the things I love about cosplay is that it, you know, every, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter, you know, what size you are. Like, it doesn't matter what race you are, like anybody, what gender you are, anybody can play anything. I truly believe that. And I myself do a lot of cross-play. And so you look at the Mandalorian who's, like obviously buff. And then you look at the marshal who's like this skinny guy, you know, with this big old helmet on. And it's kind of makes you think of him as being like the ultimate Boba Fett cosplayer. <laughs> no, that, uh, that, that we had on, it, it looked like a, it looked like a, a, a Twizzler, you know, wearing a football <laughs> helmet. You know, Boba Fett is having a little, you know, heft to him. And this guy was just skinny in a sweater and kind of ill-fitting. It was funny to me. I, I get it. Yeah, no, I, it, I was it, was a, it was a brilliant uh, design choice, right? And it's also kind of, you know, I mean, it, it thematically works in terms of does he deserve to wear this this uh, this mantle of, of Mandalorian too, right? Right. He looks kind of like a little kid wearing a big kid, yeah. like, a, like an adult's outfit. And I thought that that was kind of perfect because he's yeah. not supposed to be wearing this. So anyway, and then the other big thing that I noticed about it and, you know, like while I was kind of, you know, writing my notes, I was like, oh man, I bet a million people thought about this. And then sure enough on Facebook, everybody was pointing it out was that his speeder looked like it was made from Anakin's pod yeah. racer. Yeah, that you know, was, but like, uh, like a weird a like sidecar. Yeah, that was a brilliant uh, little Easter egg there uh, to just kind of call that back of maybe he scavenged uh, uh, Anakin's pod racer from episode one. Yeah. Well, I heard you think the online, there were people arguing like, why is he up riding a sidecar? And the other person's like, he's on top, man. He'd be roasting his crotch. You can't do that. <laughs> what if he's in the back of the uh, pod race engine? He's like, dude, he'll burn his face. And it was just... <laughs> I'm glad the guys at Lucas have thought about all the angles. <laughs> Literally also, all the angles. I mean, also, I just kind of love also, right? I mean, more more part of his ill-fitting armor and kind of awkward sidecar <laughs> bike, right? I mean, it's like, it's there's all kinds of awkward and hackneyed together for the people of this What's town. What's that scavenger a, lifestyle? Yeah, it's, so it's, it's, it works as a so character Tracy, choice. So Tracy, did the character um, carry over as you expected from the book? Um, I... Yeah, I mean, it's been a really long time. I think those books came out like what, like five years ago or something. So, and I haven't read it since then. But as far as I remember, um, as, as I understand, you, so as I understand, it was pretty much like one or two chapters, right? It wasn't it wasn't a, a full extended uh, arc, right? 
well, so the back, the that whole um, back flat or flat back flash flashback that they did that was like a that was a major part of a book, right? Like his backstory. Yeah, I but, think. Uh, okay, so moving on, like we can go into the books. Like we can do like a whole like summary of books. We don't have, we don't have to go into the books. I just uh, was curious <laughs> on that little point, right? Quick. Um, I definitely like how they. Yeah. They work together, um, you know, the Mandalorian and uh, and Cobb. It's just a it was a good little it was a good little play there where it's like that's a classic story, by the way, the the that first episode, that whole, hey, we got to save the town. And but they they did it a little differently with, hey, let's bring in these this other group of people, the Tuscan Raiders. And, you know, having the having Cobb lead the town and kind of be, as Andy said, this awkward guy with the Mandalorian who also showed a little bit of heart instead of just taking the armor like he could have, you know, so it was definitely, it definitely worked on a lot of different angles. So uh, who's up next, Tracy? He's a, he's a reasonable guy. You know, I've got a lot more stuff about Cobb, but I feel like we need to move on. So um, of course he was carrying around the ice cream maker. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah. The Cantono again. <laughs> uh-huh. I also want to point out that, that the Arabesh around the hologram of the Death Star, that was the opening crawl to Empire Strikes Back. I'm just going to throw oh, that out there. I want to make sure I don't miss certain things. Yep, yep. That's oh, funny. and there was a yeah. Sam Witwer cameo. Did you guys see Sam Witwer? No. Where was Sam Witwer? Yes. When he's going through the town, he's like, he's got a dolly with stuff and he's got long hair. Oh my gosh. Yes. I have to go look Who, for that Of course, that's again. the voice of, of Darth Maul in the right animated series, right? Right. But I recognize him right away. It was also... Starkiller in the in the uh, Force Unleashed games as well. Oh, so I don't know that. But I watched that. Uh, there's there's that show about like a what? I was just uh, saying the production. I'm going to get to that guy in in, the, in a little while. Okay. But go ahead. Your list. Anyway, okay. So I I digress. I'm going off on like vampire werewolf ghost shows. Anyway, okay. So let's <laughs> talk about. <laughs> let's talk about the crate dragon which of yes. course we see a smaller one in a new hope right that's the one that c3po and r2d2 go past or, or rather the skeleton of right oh that's what i said right did yeah. i say skeleton okay. oh i thought you said anyway smaller. and then of course in the same movie obi-wan pretended to be right he, he did a crate dragon call to scare off the tuscan raiders to nab luke right which is one of the most oft uh, uh redone sound cues in the movies in every edition right uh, probably, I don't know, but the pearls that they make. So those are, so I, I have chickens and one of the things that they have is they have a gizzard, right? And you give them grit and then there's rocks in the gizzard and it crushes up all the food and makes it into a paste that they can then digest. And that's essentially what these pearls are for the crate dragons is they're kind of in their, whatever their gizzard is, it's like their last stomach or something. And of course, you know, like the one that we see Han Solo used in the game to win the Millennium Falcon against Lando Calrissian. Obviously, that's a smaller one. You know, if you if you process them and clean them well enough, you can actually, you know, make them in lightsabers and things like that because they've got these crazy reflective qualities and properties. And, you know, they make it sound like I think it's it gets a little confusing because this was such a big crate dragon, but really the Tuscan Raiders are used to killing these things pretty regularly because that's how they show that they're warriors, right? Is they, they go out and kill a crate dragon and take its pearls. So, and you can have multiple pearls in a crate dragon. So like that was where it kind of threw me off a little bit. I was like, aren't they experts at this? And then I realized, okay, this is a really big one. Maybe that's why, I don't know. 
I, I also I love that that's a, that's a, that's a, a bit of a callback to the Knights of the Old Republic games as well, because I think that was one of the missions where you had to you know, kill a, a great dragon and and get its, oh, yeah. uh, its pearl. <laughs> see, you guys are you guys, can... are you guys are deep diving. I, I was just happy to see Tuscan. <laughs> You know, and, uh, you know, they had the, they had the language, you know, going on, um, it, you know, that whole thing of, you know, hey, let's get them in here. How do we communicate with these guys? Boom. Sign language. Yeah. And seeing them hold up the it reminded me of the episode one where they held up the the shiny ball. Oh, yeah. The, the shiny ball. Yeah. The <laughs> Raider was like, rah, rah, got, a, got a big ass pearl. Rah, you know, he was just happy as hell. That, that made me happy inside. So yeah, not yeah. to like go up on. Sorry, go ahead. It's also just funny to hear conversational Tuscan, right? Where instead of we're used to like yeah. hearing the war cries, or it's arr, arr, and this is just like. <laughs> so, so while while we're there on the Tuscans, um, how did it, how did you guys feel when we? I thought that was one actually kind of surprise for me when Amanda uh, started yelling out in Tuscan, and all of a sudden you. Really it's it's the healing of Star Wars. I, I don't know if that was something that came up in any of the rooms, you know, when they're discussing the theme and writing through it. But bringing people together is what a lot of Star Wars has been about. Mm-hmm. And it will always be a family property. So I always find it amazing that you can find, um, you know, old farts, young kids, people from all different walks enjoying Star Wars. And now the Tuscans can enjoy, you know, waving big balls over their heads and uh, cheering everybody else. Um, no innuendo. But What's just... the line for old fart? Where does that line start? <laughs> a good question. I will not answer at this moment. Very careful. Step carefully. <laughs> I just want to make a quick side note about Tuscan, though, and the fact that they use sign language. Yeah. One of the one of the charity groups that I work with was founded by a guy named Sean Mullins, and his brother um was was deaf and had some other problems and died very young and he is a tuscan raider cosplayer and one of the things that um when 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 the sign language thing really started becoming more established he was so excited because one he he that's what he cosplays and two it's so important to him and deaf awareness day every year is is a is a big deal for him and for all of us in in that kind of charitable community and so i just wanted to to throw that out there that for you know for communities where that might be slightly marginalized um as far as um you know Handicapable and you know differently abled. Uh, it's kind of neat that they have somebody in the Star Wars universe that does use sign language. So I just wanted to throw that out there. You know, actually, that was uh, something I think I remember seeing a special feature or uh, uh, something uh, about the first season one. The first time you see the Tuscan chiefs, right? Um, in fact, the the binox that they use are the same binox that they trade um, in the in the last episode where we first meet the Tuscan chief. And I believe the actor was a deaf actor. Who they hired yes. to do that testing. Yes, he was. Yes, you're and, right. And uh, so they kind of co- collaborated to de- develop what is this hand single bartering, uh, 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 you know, hand single language that they use for the Tuscans. Yeah. So, so I just thought that was really cool. Yeah. That was totally cool. Thank you for that. Um, tying this back into, or check this out, the Tuscan Raiders have always been 
like uh well anakin came across and killed them you know uh, obi-wan was like hey those guys shit, fucking animals man you better watch out <laughs> and there was always this kind of you know poo-pooing but all of that seems to have come from the tuscan raiders i mean not the tuscan the um jedi from, yeah so now we have the mandalorian who is their friend and it's another kind of rift you know between the mandalorian and the jedi that's already in place so if we want to start speculating on a little bit of what's coming up, you've got a Mandalorian who's against the Jedi holding on to um, a being that the Jedi ha- well, has deep relationships with the Jedi. So now you've got these paths crossing a little tension going on and this is getting into some really interesting stuff. So yeah. um, with that, uh, we'll go into a little bit of baby Yoda, adorable kid. I, I mean, really, all I wanted to say about Baby Yoda is how adorable he is in that he can close his own roof and he like the fl- <laughs> ears flapping in the wind. And I mean, you can't talk about the Mandalorian without just being like, oh, my God, I love you. I just want you. <laughs> He's so cute. I want I want his his spawn as well. If he <laughs> if he if he sprouts, I want <laughs> I'll, He's sprouting I'll Baby Yoda. <laughs> Um, you know, so so the other thing, right, and we're talking about kind of larger right, themes, and we're talking about kind uh, of possibly larger, for this season, right, is how accustomed to violence Baby Yoda is becoming, right? And that was a, a theme that kind of paid off a little bit in the, towards the, the latter um, episodes in season one, where he almost forks, force chokes uh, Cara Dune, right? So that's something that I find really interesting and wonder like if, if this is a theme, you know, it's like clearly the Mandalorian is not fit to be a father. He's not like, he doesn't know what he's doing at all. He brought a child into, you know, uh, an underground, uh, uh, you know, wager fights. (laughs) No, that, uh, the whole father, the whole father relationship or single dad with the, you know, that, that whole idea is just, interesting and i don't know how many times um modern fantasy or sci-fi has really broached that um but it's it's interesting to see here and i know a lot of people who really aren't into westerns aren't into the style of star wars they got into that aspect of it Mm, um andy i don't remember uh i don't know if you remember jeff from the 8-bit cubist uh one of my friends yeah you know his wife was just like, look, I don't, need, I don't need any of the Star Wars shit. Keep it away from me. Um, I'm not about any of that. And she was, you know, that's that's who she is. She, she didn't care for it. Once Baby Yoda showed up, man, she's over there you know, cooking up some blue milk for us to drink while we watch. <laughs> she's getting the snacks ready and telling her friends not to call her because the baby's about to come back on. You know, it's the baby I show. I want to see you as a baby. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I think we can all agree that that Mando is a better father than Stennis Baratheon, though. Can we agree on that? Wait, mm. better than who? Stennis Baratheon. No? I do not know this yeah. reference. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Game of Thrones. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Right. Yes. You I can't just jump. You just can't just jump <laughs> like that really quick. All right. Uh, so, so we're going through all these characters here. Um, we got some comments in the chat. Somebody read those off? I can't see the Twitch chat. <laughs> Can you see this Twitch chat, Andy? I cannot. Everyone wants to read them all. <laughs> I don't think they can hear right. <laughs> uh, well, somebody feel free to post the, the comments into the, oh, 
Okay, you guys click on that and I'll keep going through characters. Okay, okay. let's talk about let's talk about Gore Koresh. Talking about the 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 Amando being father of the year and taking baby Yoda, the child, to an underground pit fight with Gamorians, right? The piggy aliens. Um, of course, I think everybody knows by now that that was John Leguizamo. Yeah. As Gore Koresh, right? That like you can't mistake that voice. But what I want to know is what those critters were that went after him at the end. And I'm wondering if they're, uh, and I'm not sure how to pronounce this, uh, Fernox, Fernox, Fernox. They're the little things from Rebels. No? They come out under darkness. Remember they surrounded them around that campfire in Rebels? Uh, okay. And like you have to like any light that's on that like to keep them away, you have to have like a solar based oh. light. Yeah, those didn't those didn't remind me of those. That's you know. No? Here's the thing: we still don't know what planet that is, right? I mean, did they mention? Did they name the planet? Oh, no, I don't know the graffiti planet. Somebody called it Detroit, but I wouldn't. <laughs> sure. Um. But also from from uh, from the the comments, uh, Capona says. Uh, waits for someone to yell. He's called the child. <laughs> we know that he's called the child. Just the child, you know. Um, I guess that's part of the whole mystery and lore. Um, I mean, it's, it's it's very in line with the uh, the kind of wolf and cub aesthetic, right? It's more mysterious. Oh, quick well, note: here's the, the graffiti. Um, the graffiti. Uh, they actually had uh, graffiti artist David Cho in the in the audience um yeah. for the for the fights so he made a quick appearance there and i'm pretty sure that if he was around he would have had something to say about the graffiti on the walls so maybe he art directed that or something i don't know but that guy gets around everywhere oh i'm getting uh, to the graffiti i'm uh -oh. getting there oh well go ahead no, Go ahead. But, okay, but it, just a quick note about the child. Mm. Okay, so we don't know what Yoda's species is. So he's always called Yoda's species, right? That's that's it. And so I think it's appropriate to call him Baby Yoda since it's actually baby, the Yoda species. I'm just going right. to throw that out there. Uh, no, I think both are correct. Uh, we have another comment. Ring capacity says, I thought I would grow tired of the child and never did. Oh. Oh, the child's got so much left to do. Oh, yeah. I mean... He's got ears to flop. He's got hand thingies to wave. <laughs> he's, got more, he's got more buttons on the razor to press. You know, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's a good gauge of whether or not you're dead inside. <laughs> uh, no. really, really quick, um, you know, so one thing that I, I found, you know, hard to uh, kind of grasp, I guess... Um, is the fact that they're not going in a serialized format anymore. So they're, they're using episodes for The Mandalorian instead of, you know, the normal, well, not normal, but what we expect from streaming services, which is these highly um, serialized episodes that go one after the other, and it's, the story's really tied in. We get more of a single adventure with a little bit of a tease here and there of something interesting, and then we just go into the next one. So... I don't know I, if you guys heard anything about the strategy or had any thoughts on that, but that's really interesting in terms of character development and things. So I've uh, I've really 
uh, appreciated that. Maybe I'm old school, but, you know, or maybe, you know, quarantine got me quarantine blues. But I, I really like having uh, a little sense of completion each week. <laughs> so, you know, uh, 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 and, you know, and that is to say it's, it's not, and not to say that it's not completely episodic, right? I mean, we are still, uh, you know, a lot of this episode is about setting up kind of broader themes, right? Um, I, I actually feel from this episode, um, and this is something I, I really enjoyed about it, you know, we, uh, uh, John Favreau directed this, right? And you can see some of his aesthetic and touches in this. But uh, very much so, like, this set the tone for this year, right? He has a quest. He, we know that he's going to be seeking out other Mandalorians. Uh, we know that he's, uh, uh, you know, seeking the Jedi and that, you know, he's probably going to be interfacing with other Mandalorians we know from past shows and series and uh, animations. And we're probably going to meet some new folks, too. And, uh, you know, he's going to be learning things about um, what it means to be a Mandalorian, what it means to be, you know, honorable. I mean, that's like a running theme throughout this. Are the villagers honorable? Are the Tuscans honorable? Is... Cobb Vanth honorable enough to earn the right to wear that armor. I almost get the sense at the end, like he probably would have been fine if Cobb Vanth did not put the, the armor on his bike, but he's honorable enough that he did. Right. I mean, uh, uh, that whole kind of theme of people's expectations versus, uh, you know, what they lived up to or lived down up from. That could have, uh, I, I, I agree with you totally. But coming from a, you know, if you're trying to take, make a serialized or you're talking about the Netflix crew, I mean, Netflix crowd who is always, you know, what's happening next week? How did this happen? You've only got eight episodes and basically nothing terribly substantial happened in this episode. And I thought it was pretty bold that they decided to do that, where it's like, <laughs> look, we don't care. We're going to set a tone. Um, and basically what happened? Boba Fett exists. And he's got his armor. That's all. That could have been told in less than, you know. But we don't know, right? Some of these factors can still play out in ways we don't know yet. Uh, ex exactly. But you, you, you know what I'm yeah, getting at. I know what you're getting at. It's, it's okay. not, it's not uh, leaving big, huge, look at this thing and it's something going to lead to something later, right? It's not kind of overt with that. And honestly, for me, I, I kind of prefer it, right? It's 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 much more satisfying to me at this point. But you got any thoughts on that style, Tracy? <laughs> As I look like I'm about to talk, um, I think um, I think one of the things that is missing from this discussion, as far as moving the story forward, is the character development of Mando himself, and even even in some of the throwaway lines, right? Like mm -hmm. like him getting over his hatred of droids. Yeah, you know, they, I mean, that was a major theme in the last season was no droids, don't like droids, don't want to be around droids, don't trust droids. And very first episode, one of the first things that he does is say, you know what, IG-11, like, you know, he, he kind of proved me wrong here. Maybe I can't lump them all together. Go ahead, work on my ship. And, you know, and, and even... Pell motto, you know, like or Pelly motto saying like, you know, oh, okay, I guess that's cool now. You know, I think um, I think if we see him moving past as a stereotype of what a Mandalorian is and really becoming because he really is kind of on his own now in a lot of ways. There's not many 
of yeah, them the- left, just like with Jedi, right? They're kind of scattered throughout and it's kind of an antiquated uh, philosophy that they're living by in this new world of that's mostly about scavengers and rogues and rebels and so wait, is, is, is droid hating is droid hating a stereotype of Mandalorians? That it, uh, well, it was, it the... <laughs> was, was it just, I mean, it's definitely a, a character trait they leaned into heavily in season one, right? Because uh, that was the yeah, big crux him. of his his for yeah. him, yeah. Um, not necessarily for for you know. I, I mean, I don't think I don't think it is, anyways. No, I know there's like a general. Um, and he's progressive in that sense because there's a general basis in the universe of you know droids get second uh, you know their second rate. Um, we even saw in the bar and on Tatooine, it's like he came in there. It's like oh, droids are running the bar now. So yeah, I think he's. They're just showing that he's a progressive character as much of a badass as he is. And uh, productions productions fighting me over here, telling me that uh you know. Hey, hey wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I know, I know, but but we got to see R five again. We got to see R five. Yeah. D4, who was in D4. the bar, and yeah, in the last season. So we got to see him again, and okay, I know I said I was going to mention the graffiti, so there was lots of Arabesh on the walls with, like, Alderaan and things like that, and of course, you know, little Easter eggs in there, with, like, troopers and you, stuff, so then... Can you, can you read Arabesh? No, but I can write it down and look it up. Oh, okay. I'm not sure... I, 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 I know one person who does, who, who has been training himself to read Arabesh. So. Is that Jason? That is Jason. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so moving on. <laughs> okay. So, of course, the big, big, big reveal was in the last So minute. big, so big that they went so widescreen for the <laughs> so letterbox widescreen for the, uh, the final so moment. So big. And that was, of course, seeing... Tamara Morrison as what we think is Boba Fett, right? Technically, it could be what Commander Rex. Command- it Captain could Rex. Be, it could be any. Clone. Or I'm sorry, Captain Rex. Commander Cody. It could be Commander Cody. Um. True. I think it could actually be, yeah, right. Any other clone? Um, Commander Co- Cody. They may uh, may have actually confirmed kill in one of the novels. I, I feel someone told me that. I don't know. That would. Uh, so if it, if it wasn't Boba Fett, that would be another reason to flip over the Star Wars table. And, uh, <laughs> message wars would be just lit up, you know. Fuck you, Favreau. I hate all of you. <laughs> you know, it's it's if, if that wasn't Boba, I, um, it's, it's, I mean, we're pretty sure. Uh, you yeah. can they, they, you, you can you also hear his uh, his jingling spurs as he walks uh, uh, towards camera. Which sounds very much like the Spurs that walked up to Fennec Shand in uh, in uh, season one. But but the Marshal was wearing Spurs too, and it was way more obvious and loud. They they did. So I don't know which same... one found Fennec. Uh, wait, I, I didn't hear Spurs on uh, the Spurs sound effect on on. Um... Oh yeah, on the Marshal, big oh. time. I definitely heard in in, in that last scene though. Uh, yeah, I, I barely I... heard it. I, I also notice that uh, you know he is also sans all hair and scarred as if maybe by acid and burns. eyebrows. Yes, <laughs> and, you know, they actually did. Scar. This episode had a lot of little. It, it's hard to call them Easter eggs, but the way they're thematically toning everything, the way they're layering it out, it's like we're going to tell you what the story is through the tone and. 
not so much um, like, you know, we we're talking about Star Wars has rhythms and it has a, there's a certain poetry to it. I really think that these writers have put that heavily into the Mandalorian in the sense that so you've got this big um, the crate dragon uh, sand beast that comes out. It starts spitting acid at everyone. And <laughs> of course, it allows, you know, Mando to, you know, they kind of did that. And then you could see Mando coming out of the, um, his belly and he's all covered he's in it. Slimed. Because he's got his armor or whatever. So that kind of gives you the whole, oh, maybe he survived already. You know, oh, stomach acid is a thing that we should maybe be thinking about. I think it was so incredibly intentional, everything that they yeah. did. That that is one thing I'll say about their storytelling, that they're telling story with um, almost expectations and kind of these breadcrumbs that they're leaving. That's so not direct, but very intentional. And it'll lead up to some payoffs like, um, you know, like you were saying, burnt eyebrows and everything from the stomach acid. Maybe it's already telling that story. I mean, even, you know, okay, even other kind of drawing uh, on feelings that you might have from other movies, right? Because we know this was directed by John Favreau, at which point you know it's, it, you know it's not uh, a coincidence that you have a sequence where Cobb Vanth with the Boba Fett armor casually walks up to a vehicle off in the distance and shoots a, mis- a tiny missile to blow up you know, the, the vehicle. That's straight out of Iron Man, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's actually like the action figure, remember? They had that prototype action figure yeah, that would totally. bend over and do it, but then they ended up having it just all be in one piece. But, um, and also, so I saw a fan theory online that, because you probably noticed that Boba Fett was carrying Tuscan weaponry, right? Yeah. That, Which, by the way, I just have to add, I love that we now know that gaffy sticks aren't really a weapon. They're actually a toothpick for a bantha. Okay, I'm done. I know. That was so <laughs> funny. Um, which, why would he have one then? But well, anyways. If you're going to survive in the wilds of Tatooine, you're, you're, you're living off of banthas. I mean, you know. That's true. That's true. But we didn't see it. Well, he could have been walking towards his bantha. But, but so I thought I saw a fan theory online that he was one of the Tuscan Raiders that was around the fire when they were talking. That was kind of like offset a little bit, just listening. Wait, hmm. That that was uh, actually Boba Fett. Oh, interesting. Hmm. I mean, like, we don't know if that's was, true or not. Was he, in, was he in head wrap or, or they're saying that he was not, he was just... Hiding in plain sight. He was he was wearing the Tuscan Raider getup and oh, was so that like, was was sitting around the fire, but a little further back. So he's living amongst the Tuscans potentially, right? Or uh, going in and out. Yeah, he could have been assigned to hang out with the Tuscans, Supreme Leader Snoke, because every every one of his theories seemed to turn out true. So uh, we'll see. <laughs> Sorry, just a, oh, wait. Just a grab there from our past. Um, Somebody else wrote a comment. Some Caponis wrote, Boba looked unpleased. Mando has the armor too. Like now that it's back in Mandalorian's hands, they may come back to investigate Boba's death. So this is something that uh, I, I find interesting, right? Because we've had multiple quotes from George Lucas and other people that Boba Fett is not a Mandalorian. Or, okay, either Boba Fett or Jango Fett are not Mandalorians. Um and you know now that we know that that Mandalorians are a creed, not a race, right? Um, I'm sure they're going to dig into that a little bit more too, right? Yeah, and I'm, I assume they're going to be really careful with it because of the way they're 
they're putting the show out. And what I mean by that is they've got this amazing way of making it good for people who don't know shit and still good for people who know far too much shit like us. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of people were like, oh, there's some crazy dude at the end of the thing, you know, wearing black that's coming after uh, Mandalorian. Cool. I'll wait to see next week what that is. Me, on the other hand, it's like, holy shit, is that the same actor? And, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> okay, can, I just, can I just use the jetpack as maybe proof that they are not um, Mandalorians by, like, like, like by Creed, but are just wearing Mandalorian armor? And that is we've seen we've now seen the armorer right and how meticulous she right. is with with the equipment with the armor with everything now that jetpack has been hoaxed from the time of Django Fett right he couldn't <laughs> get away from Mace Windu because the jetpack malfunctioned and then Mace Windu beheaded him and then of course you have Han Solo like getting his vision back knocking it and that's what knocked Boba Fett into the the um the um slave the, card right and yeah. into the and into the sarlacc and then you have you know as a repeat you have mando hitting it on the back of Cobb, sending him to safety and this is you know you see the patch on there did you, i don't know if you guys noticed that that there was like a metal patch on there um and and he's like he's like you make sure that your people know that i didn't break this and yeah, i think right. that that is further proof now in the legends stuff which i don't think is canon anymore right that's not canon since it is no longer canon correct okay so then so okay so in legends he is kind of raised by this guy who's like his adopted grandfather who was uh like one of these like journey protector people and he ended up going from that to becoming a mandalorian and met a guy named Fett, who I think was like a farmer or something, and <laughs> they die. And like, he ended up being like the journey protector, journeyman protector. And then when he died, then he took care of Go and brought him up in the Mandalorian tradition. So that's the legends. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that one. Right. That, that they talk about. I'm probably butchering I, the shit out of that, but it's something I be, like I believe that. in. I believe in current canon because we do see young Boba Fett during Clone Wars, and we find out that he's hanging out with Ara Singh, and uh, I think uh, he he kind of just bounces around among space pirates. He runs with Honda Onako for a while. For a while, uh, I don't know that we know exactly where he gets his armor from, right? And that's something interesting, right? Now that we've seen in season one that the armor makes a big deal over. The, uh, the 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 symbol that they put on the on the pauldron, um, versus Boba Fett has the uh, the mythosaur skull on his pauldron. So is that something that he earned, or did he steal it from another Mandalorian? We'll so, that. Sometime later, I'm sure somebody yeah. beat the hell out of us for uh, missing. <laughs> Um, but we're getting close to the end of time. Tracy, you're, you're, you're jumping in the seat Wait, over one there. One more thing. One more thing. <laughs> like, I have something. No, that there's something on the tip of my brain about how there's the, the journey protector symbol that's like on their, like Django has it and then Boba has it. And I think it's on their ship, but I could be wrong. And if I want to oh. say it, but I already just said it. So somebody cut to me if I'm wrong. <laughs> that, like, all of a sudden, that, like, like I had like a weird little like, <sighs> in my brain that was like wait there's something about this anyways well, i'm gonna you know, go ahead and guys. Disclaimer that uh, i fuck up star wars lore all the time so 
you can at me if you want uh, or not. It, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Um, I'm just going to claim ignorance. You know, um, Chardonnay happened or something. I don't know. I, um, I Deadwood, definitely... Deadwood fans. The guy, the guy, the bartender was played by a Deadwood guy. <laughs> Timothy Oliphant. That's correct. No, 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 not Timothy Oliphant. The bartender. Oh yes, underneath yes. that. They're both. Uh, the weekend character was from Deadwood, so bring that yeah. whole weapon thing into play. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. And um, he looked kind of like a giant cock, cocksucker. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had the, the toy of that character, so you know we're not going to talk bad about him. Um, that's my uh, my guy. The, the the weak way, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, Really quickly, uh, as we're finishing up here, we did get a message from um, Facebook. Uh, somebody wanted to know how the economy, we're not gonna get into answering this here. Uh, thanks, Michael Michael Rogers for sending this. Uh, how does the economy work in Star Wars? Seems like only the poor need money. Low key was the value in the casino scene in The Last Jedi. It seems there's a poverty criminal syndicate and adjacent bounty hunters and mega rich, and there are all these financial things going on. I'll cut his part right there. Um, yeah, that's one thing we get into in Star Wars. There's a lot of financial, uh, tax, government. I mean, considering this all begins with a trade federation. <laughs> so, so the only thing I want to say about that uh, is that it's very interesting, and it definitely helps tell the story of the bounty hunter side of things, where Imperial Credits or Calamari Flan, you know, what are we going to trade with and barter? So it just makes, leads for a really interesting thing. And because of that, I wanted to mention his comment. Um, something definitely keep an eye on how this whole bounty hunter economy works or whatever. But we, we should are definitely talk about that in a future episode. We'll talk about a lot of things in future episodes. <laughs> yes. uh, so I am happy here. Uh, I want to thank all of you for, for joining us, for being here to listen to us on this first episode where we stumbled through things through our healing process. Um, once again, uh, uh, Andy Lowe, the Chinese pirate, uh, go ahead and let them know where they can find you, Andy. Uh, I am Chinese pirate underscore on all platforms, Instagram, uh, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and on Twitch. All right. And you, Tracy. I am not the same one. So I am on Facebook. I'm Hot Nerd Girl. On Instagram, Hot Nerd Girl Official. On Twitter, Hot underscore Nerd underscore Girl. <laughs> the Hot Nerd Girl. Um, and I am Mr. Benja. You can just find me at, um, you know, I'm just going to say MrBenja.com. I'm going to actually tighten up the graphics on level three for that website and um, send everybody to MrBenja.com. That's where you can find me. We are the Pod Squadron. We're going to be coming at you every week, maybe, or more or less. But, yeah, we'll try to do it weekly. Uh, we'll, we'll be on Twitch. We'll try to put this stuff out to YouTube and really try to make something good happen in a different way than everybody else is doing. Uh-oh. Did Benja oh, freeze? Did he freeze? Yeah, I think he froze. He's froze. Okay, so then I will say goodbye. <laughs> And it'll be like, it'll be like graduation caps. I'll just throw my, my Wookiee hat in the air. Huzzah, <laughs> well, I will sign us off then with sometimes, I guess once in a while, both suns shine on a walk rabbit's tail. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. And good night. We'll see you next week. <laughs>